0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host. Maybe you need
1: a catchphrase.
2: <laughs> Welcome
1: to Poddington. <laughs> Population four. <laughs>
2: the Squareball Podcast. To buy the Squareball magazine, get back issues, and podcasts, visit thesquareball.net.
3: In this edition of the pod, we look back at Sean and getting his Uddersfield. We talk about having little dicks. We invite you to visit Beeston and lend a football club some cash. And we look to the future and hope. Hello again, welcome along to this latest instalment of the Square Ball podcast number 5 uh, With us in the studio, the usual gang Michael Normanson, fellow editor of the Square Ball. Hello Moscow White, that's uh, Daniel Chapman Hello And Oddie, Paul Dowds. Hello uh, First we've got to start on a serious note gentlemen, I'm afraid We have a traitor in our midst uh, Michael, you uh, flew the nest of our studio and went on to Leeds United Unplugged on BBC Radio Leeds
1: I did. It was. A, I got a last minute call. I've. I've got a feeling Gary Hamson pulled out again or something. Um, but yeah, it was all right. It was. Uh, I had to watch what I say because on this we edit quite a lot of it out. Um, but yeah, it was. It was good
2: experience again. I'm sure Gary Hampson enjoyed it. He. He still won't return our calls, no matter how often we try to get him to come in here. He's. He's a difficult person to. To get and then, we just do what the BBC do. Turn to Mickey.
3: I kind of the way I viewed it was if if they're doing Leeds United unplugged, we should sort of veer towards Leeds United unhinged. That that sounds about right, doesn't it? <laughs> we get away with a little bit more uh, do get in touch with us podcast at the squareball.net find us as well on Facebook and Twitter uh, one thing I have noticed from checking the stats for the downloads is the places that people are downloading this podcast from and we've actually got some quite exotic places like people are downloading from Southeast Asia uh, some from like Mexico places like that lots from the UK obviously but I, I kind of want to know what people are up to in South America listening to uh, to the squareball podcast and how can you support leads from such a distance so if that is you podcast at the square ball.net drop us a line and we'll give you a mention
1: even if you've just had a Brazilian get in touch also we'd like to send us some pictures maybe um.
2: <laughs> yeah pictures of people listening to the podcast on the beach Um I don't know how we'd be able to tell what they're listening to But just with the radio We're not on the radio, with a computer, with an iPod That's where it comes, where it comes from Pictures <laughs> of you with an iPod on the beach Going back to Twitter, it's probably worth mentioning
3: That we uh, we did get a, a message from someone on Twitter, wasn't it? It was our very first Unfortunately it was some sort of sex
1: message So uh... I don't think it was a proper one either I think it was, sadly my, my emails are sent All I got back was links to websites where I had to pay for things <laughs> It's like Gary
2: Amson, he never replies <laughs>
3: All right, then straight into part one, which by now I'm sure you know is called White Watching. And we look at the last fortnight's action that the team have been up to. And we said two weeks ago we'd have a better idea of how the land lied in a fortnight. So here we are, two weeks on, uh, off the back of a defeat, a draw, a win, and another draw that could have been a win against Huddersfield. So that takes in uh, the Walsall, Brighton, Oldham, and Huddersfield matches. How do we feel about it now, two weeks on?
4: Should we give it another fortnight and then see? Probably, yeah. Should we leave it till May? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Started
1: badly and got a bit better. It's a good job we weren't doing a pod last week. I think after the Walsall defeat and the Brighton draw, because I think particularly the Walsall defeat, it was just traumatic, and I didn't really feel even cross at the end of it like I normally do when we lose. I just wanted to go home and cry about it really (laughs) Uh, it just felt like it was all falling apart I think Colchester won that same night and
2: they closed in a bit bit more and it felt a bit like everything was going wrong The attitude towards the Walsall defeat was summed up when you were on Leeds United unplugged our, our brothers in rivalry tried to get a bit of controversy going were you at the game can you tell us did the goal cross the line? Was it a goal or wasn't it? And loads of people just texted in and go, of course it was. <laughs> Shut up, Casper, just get on with it. Start winning games. Nobody gave a toss about that. It was just just anger at the at the game. Nobody really mithered the details.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, there wasn't really any way, any angle that showed whether it conclusively did or didn't cross the line. Um, but, you know, we played that badly. You can't really go blaming other people, I don't think, for it.
4: We had one last season, which I think was Leighton Orient. Um, when Casper was about half a mile over the line And then just played on as if nothing had happened And we got away with that one So it swings and roundabouts on those so You get some, you lose some He's not yeah. a
2: good liar, Casper I don't no. think He's, It's always You can tell what's really happened Just by just looking at him
4: And the whole game was just piss poor So we didn't yeah.
3: really deserve it anyway Just to go back actually to the previous podcast We said, didn't we, that The way I viewed it I, th- I thought, oh God, here we go again Because we said it was three very winnable games And you Michael in particular I want to pick you up on this Said um, We've nothing to fear From these three teams <laughs> But I actually want to Defend you on this And say We didn't have anything To fear from Those three teams It was ourselves wasn't Well it? you've, stitched, you've
1: right. stitched me up A bit by quoting me If you, yeah, you want to stick up for me But you know
3: <laughs> Yeah I'm just pulling you back in it, But it's true isn't it It's, it's just It's just the League United factor Again And we um, and we saw it With, with the game afterwards um, Against Brighton You know Clawing it back from the death Didn't we
1: we did, yeah. The Brighton game, we didn't really deserve to be in that position. They they came for the draw and were time-wasting from, from kick-off, really. Um, and it wasn't a penalty either, I don't think. But, you know, again, we can't... I don't want to go about blaming other people all the time. Oh, this just becomes a Liverpool podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we, did deserve, we definitely deserved something from the game. I don't think they had a single shot on target, really, other than the penalty. Um, but, again, it was just frustrating and the crowd was just gets more and more agitated the longer it takes for us to uh, to do anything so the the ref does deserve a special mention though for running backwards the <laughs> entire length of the pitch to see to a player who was down injured at the other end and he ran the entire length backwards and then got to the player and then waved on the physio who'd been stood about 10 yards away on the edge of the pitch the entire time. <laughs> so, fair play to It's a to real art form running backwards
2: if you've ever tried it. That, that referee was in a, in a really special run of form that game because he loved his um, getting the captain over for a chat. He mm. was saying, oh, I'm, come over here, I'm going to book this player. And you could see Richard Nailison and I said, well, what have you dragged me all the way up here just to tell me you're going to book him? You've got a card. So that's how I know what's happening. And uh, that seemed to be his particular... Freak that he uh, he liked to indulge in for ninety minutes on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Oh, the other
4: one was to drag the players waste ten minutes dragging the players across and then do nothing.
2: Yeah, that, that was, was good was as well. Pretty,
4: pretty
1: the the bottom line of everything he did was really just that he wanted people to be looking at him. It seemed whether it was you know running backwards, star jumping, cartwheeling across the <laughs> halfway line or something. He just wanted to be seen and loved.
3: So yeah, Snoddy uh, smashed in the equaliser 95 minutes on the clock, which was a
2: nice finish.
3: Yeah, and um, Glenn Snodden is it worth mentioning his uh, his, uh, his spat
2: with Gus because Gus was not happy about that, was he? I've not seen exactly what happened. I've only seen the um, the handshake, which looked. A little bit firm, but yeah, well, he's got a strong-wristed man, Glyn Snodding, but Gus. At least he got one, I'm yeah. like, you know, John Terry, that well, main headline are you, he are you implying that Glyn's been messing around with Mrs Poyer? <laughs> <laughs> I was saying nothing it's of the sort. Something you've heard? Nothing of the sort. I don't know what the um, instigator of all Brighton's anger was. It seems to be that we celebrated an equaliser in the 95th minute. Well, why wouldn't you? We weren't going to turn around and go, oh, well... It looks like we've got a point, lads. Cheerio. Hazard. It, was- it was
1: nice as well. In the aftermath of it as well, um, Phil Parkinson, the Charlton manager, came out and started saying how the way we celebrated that goal shows that we're really under pressure because drawing at Brighton is not a good result, and then they lost to him the next week. So, <laughs> just like to say,
3: nah. special <laughs> special mention to Phil. Yeah, he's becoming a bit of a ass. Pain in the ass. Yeah. yeah, was the phrase that I was going to use. Just he can't seem to. Concentrate on his own team we were clearly slipping from the pace and uh, trying to deflect the the attention onto us not very well. Um on to the next game then. Uh Tuesday the 23rd I went to this one. Uh Leeds to Oldham nil. Double for Becchio again back on the uh on the scoring charts.
2: That's what a, a cover Becchio. appearing. Becchio. Yeah Becchio as we established. Who are we going to put on the cover of the next square ball? Who needs goals? Beckford. Beckford do you think? Well, we wouldn't sell any. <coughs> that would be an issue anyway. Moving <laughs> on. The Oldham game um, underlined a bit for me some things about the midfield. One was Howson standing around not really doing anything and two was there was a lot of frustration against Beckford not winning headers 30 yards from goal which, I, I mean, having watched him for three years I don't think I've ever seen him win a header 30 yards from goal so I keep wondering why our defenders and midfielders when they get the ball, they look up, they think I know what I'll do. I'll see if Jermaine can win this header and just ping it up there and it just seems this vicious circle and the cause of it at least in the Oldham game was that Doyle and Housen were basically standing in the middle um, watching and not really getting involved and um, Housen it, it was I don't like getting on individual players' backs and obviously he scored against Tuddersfield and played a lot better and he's played a lot better in the past but that one game in particular he wasn't doing anything and for me the the fact that our goal came from House and standing in the centre circle with the ball and waiting until AD White came, took the ball off him and ran, and then played a pass, and then we got a goal. And you look back to House and he's still standing in the centre circle, just watching what was going on. And he needs um, he needs to sort sort his game out a little bit, I think. I've written the match report for the magazine, and something I picked up on from that game
3: is just how. How high intensity Oldham started with And they denied any space to us Particularly in midfield And I think they, were, they wanted us to stick it long um, mm-hmm. Which is probably, you know Mitigation for the midfield a bit Because in the second half they I thought they, they looked a lot better in looked a lot better on the ball And um, the
4: confidence thing once we scored Yeah it looked well, a different scene
3: completely You felt that like Veil lift As soon as that goal went in It lifted and they started looking like the, the leads from the start of the season Didn't they again
2: Even after we'd scored When things had cheered up I was watching There was a point when Snodgrass had the ball on the left wing and he was looking for somebody just to come and help him from midfield and there was nobody there so he ended up beating a player trying to get a cross in and it came back out in the general direction of the midfield and he was looking for one of Housen and Doyle to come and win that ball and do something with it and they didn't so he had to go and get it himself and then have another goal beating the player and, then, and so now I've worked out why Snodgrass looks knackered all the time because he's doing the work of three men half the time and it just seems and I think the annoying thing about it is that with Howson is you know that he's much much better than that when he's playing well um, he showed that I guess against um, Huddersfield especially after he scored um, what was a, a goal that he he made basically he won the ball beat a couple of players and then got the ball wide and got on the end of it so we need him doing that more often
3: well, we'll come on to Huddersfield in a second. I was just going to ask about uh, the pair of them, him and Doyle. Do you think it's that they're too similar, and they're both "quote unquote" to use a phrase that Mr. Cantona once used, uh, that they're both water carriers, and they both sort of just sort of tidy up in front of the defence, but don't really have that cut and thrust that we might want
1: um, I don't know I've, I've said before I'm not really sure what position either of them are really meant to play There's doesn't seem to, Doyle's a more defensive one but he's not a pure defensive midfielder in, in like the kind of Makaleli style he doesn't just sit in front of the defence and go never go forward and Housen just seems to he's definitely meant to be an attacking midfielder but he doesn't really score many goals and he doesn't tend to get forward and properly make those late bursting runs into the box in a way that you would hope an attacking midfielder would um, his shooting from range is generally fairly weak, so I'm just—I think he's a bit stuck between a, a defensive midfielder and attacking one, really, and ends up just mainly chasing people about and not not really getting very close to anybody.
2: i started calling Doyle um, Arthur Conan Doyle because it's a mystery what he does, but he always seems to get a result in the end. <laughs> this is this comes out of the um, the Oldham game when somebody shouted at um, Lowry, Lowry. You're standing like a bloody matchstick man. <laughs> and, and after that, I thought, well, if he's going to make Lowry jokes, I'm going to make Conan Doyle jokes. It's open season. As it well surprisingly concerned. highbrow, actually. <laughs> oh, yes. We're discussing the arts and the literature in and, and the cop and, um, and why McSheffrey won't bloody run.
1: Yeah, but Lowry and McSheffrey, I think we should probably come on to them separately because they've both been incredibly disappointing. Which, by the way, but Dan, to throw this one back to you, you I blame on you because you, one of the pods, I can't remember if it was the last one or the one before, but you were saying you were basing all of our positive predictions on McSheffrey being really
2: good. But I hang on a minute? And it's been really bad. Didn't you say he was the best player you'd seen in the Championship? I did but <laughs> You're as bad as right, each hey, other We'll back that like... quote Right back to you then. There's only me And Oddie here yeah. We're talking any sense
1: <laughs> Get off the fence You two <laughs> Okay then on to, on to
3: Huddersfield A game that Huddersfield and certain commentators on BBC Radio Leeds would have us believe was the biggest game possibly since the start of the universe uh, they're, they're desperate well. for it to be a, a rivalry on equal terms aren't they and, and I, I think it's just not, I, just before we actually get onto the game, it was what was the chant that somebody uh, picked up on one of the forums uh, I think it was You Mean Fuck All to Us was a chant that went up at one point uh, which I think is possibly the finest chant I've heard all season Was that Robert Snodgrass singing that when they wouldn't give him the ball back? <laughs> so yeah, 2-2 two- to, fell behind early. Did, did we fear the worst at that point?
1: Yeah, I did definitely. Just because I haven't been there the last couple of years, it's been pretty one-sided games. We've when we've gone there in decent form normally as well. But um, yeah, I did fear fear for us then. But second half we came out and we were by far the better team to, to shoehorn a cliche in there it was a, a game of two halves <laughs> at the business end of the season I don't think you had to shoehorn that cliche and, um, in there. There, was a, there was a gaping chasm there <laughs> waiting for it, wasn't there yeah disappointing with, to see McSheffrey back in actually I know we were just talking about him but I thought White did quite well against Oldham um, and McSheffrey's not done anything in the games he's played so if I really to, to justify his continued inclusion I don't think I don't know if we've got some rule that we have to play him or something as um, part of the content,
2: terms and conditions of the loan I think White was injured um, He there's apparently something where he gets very nervous before a game and this is why he's getting cramp all the time um, and and, and Grayson has apparently said in an interview, they're trying to get to the bottom of this problem and find some way of stopping him from constantly getting cramp. And that's what came, he said. He trained on Friday, but he didn't think it was worth risking him. And this is also with a, a something I'm always fearful of doing, but I, I work with someone who knows his dad. <laughs> um, and apparently um, White has grown two inches this year. I, I think they mean his height. Um, and if any of us can dimly remember puberty, it does knacker you, that particular... Stage in your um, growth. Since you're so. on me,
1: left, he appears bigger. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so it's no surprise that he kind of, I mean, every single game he starts, he goes off after an hour or so knackered, but he always looks good enough. Um, but he's just, I think he's going to end up being used sparingly. And having been dropped for a bloody 18 year old, you would think that Gary McSheffrey, Premiership star that he is, would have the professional pride and ability to up his game and actually turn in a decent performance but um, he didn't and so it'll just come down to the next game if AD White's fit I think he'll start
1: I would hope so. I think the thing is, I, I read that same quote you were saying about. But I, from that, I just think we'll stick him on for an hour, then, and if he gets if he's knackered after an hour, bring him off. Yeah, I think it's had, not it's not a proper injury as such. It's just cramp.
2: If he hadn't been at the cauldron of win a lot, I think we, he may have risked it. If it had been at home against Brentford, I think he'd, it would have been a completely different thing. But you know that, like Stoke playing Arsenal, Huddersfield it would be out to. Um, to to do some damage, I don't, if, I don't know how you inflict a cramp injury on somebody, but um, I'm sure they would have found a way. The, the dog bothering scoundrels.
3: <laughs> and uh, final note on the Huddersfield game, then the return of uh, everyone's favourite referee from the Stockport game, a ref Michael that you described as the worst you'd ever seen up to that point. I would say, I would stress, uh, Kevin Friend. Um, did he cover himself in glory again?
1: Uh, he did really, yeah. I've, I've, my notes here. I've written Kevin fu- Kevin fucking friend. It um, wasn't as bad as Stockport by any means, but his general cluelessness was was still there. There were quite a few occasions the ball went out, and the linesman and him were looking at each other in a kind of oh, I don't know. Do you, do. do you want to make this decision? I don't know. It came <laughs> off, and the, it just inevitably Ended up sort of going with the home team on a few things. I, I looked, watched the replay as well, and it seems that in the build up to their goal there was a bit their first goal there was a hand, quite an obvious handball in it as well it was watched on a fuzzy BBC iPlayer thing um, but he seemed to fail to pick up on that so we'll blame him for that as well Do you think we look like we've regained our confidence after the stumble and the wobble and I think Huddersfield was going to be the acid test and we, we look like we came through it alright I would agree with that we're, we're not as badly off as we probably should be given the results we've had. We're still four points clear of um, a third with the game in hand, which given we've had some really quite awful
2: results at home, um, I think we've got to take that because it and could have been a lot worse. Warsaw makes everything feel worse. If that, if that had been a draw, it still wouldn't have been great, but it, it might have made things feel a bit better. But just to go into that really important sequence with... Just a absolutely dreadful performance and an awful result. I think took um, uh, the wind out of a few people's sails.
3: We said last time out that we should be worried. Specifically, again, I'm going to turn to you, Michael, <laughs> mm. uh, and your prediction skills. That we should be worried if Swindon catches, and they, they look like one of the teams. Oh, S-
1: Swindon will catches. Yeah, they're, they're a real danger. Swindon. <laughs> <laughs> and we reckon what
3: 23 points now. If we t- if we to go by the uh, the management's. Uh, total of 90 points to get promoted if we're gonna, if we think 90 is enough that leaves us 23 to get from 39 to assure promotion very gettable and very ungettable i guess given that it's leads it's a bold I statement <laughs> i'll just pick the splinters out of my ass from the fence yeah it is isn't it i mean it is very gettable it's
2: what you know seven wins two draws just have to win at home and draw away even lose a couple away
1: as Alan Road Bartat says, get yep.
2: two at home and one away,
1: <laughs> but three. That'll do. <laughs> um,
2: it's, and so that's what we've we got to concentrate on and just got to stop messing around. The last few weeks have just been too often saying, um, after the Swindon game, oh, we've got to use that result, turn it into a positive and go on a run. Exeter, oh, we'd better use that result and go on, go on a run. Warsaw. Oh we better turn this into a positive We've got to stop We'll end up in May All these
4: games seem to be last year's Hereford Yeah Mm. Every time we've had it It's oh we had this last year at Hereford And then we use that as a springboard to
3: But we're unbeaten in three So are we starting to bounce on the springboards? (laughs) Ready to dive into that
2: promotion pool Yeah
3: Um, Well, we'll come to what we think our prospects are over the next uh, couple of weeks uh, at at the back end of the podcast. And we'll we'll tie that section up now and uh, we'll return in seconds with part two. And here we are back once again, part two. Hope you enjoyed that little musical interlude. Uh, And part two, we look at the talking points from the last fortnight, stuff that's happened uh, in and around Ellen Roads. And I guess we should start with Luciano Becchio's uh, return to scoring form. Nice to see him get back on the score sheet I was a bit worried about him earlier on this season, to be honest. He needed the cover of the square ball
4: Just smack yeah. all that off.
2: I, I do like to think that he read that article, or at least he had Mike Grella read it to him, <laughs> um, translate it into phrases he could understand. So clearly, the situation in the Falklands not affecting him
1: too badly at the minute. One thing to say about his last few goals—they've all been scored from within about a yard of the goal. I think it was, it was an empty net. Again, his first against Oldham Then pretty much the same Against Huddersfield and second... you've, got, you've got to be oh, there He's been there He's you? been there to score but yeah. he's, put, he's put himself They've the had a combined distance Of about six yards I think <laughs> His last three goals and what, is, it,
3: is
2: it three and two now? It is indeed <laughs> Stat fans He's good we were, He was looking um, Unlike his uh, his Last season self You wonder if League One defenders have worked him out and also, sleepless nights, he missed a game for a baby and you wonder if it was affecting him um, dealing with that as the season goes on. But it looks like he's shaking it off, Put his uh, he's going to put the work in for the rest of the season, which we need.
1: I still don't think he's as good as he was last year, um, maybe his goals have masked it slightly in the last few weeks, but um, yeah... It- as always, with strikers, once they get a few goals, it builds confidence, and hopefully, he can you can push
3: on a bit. As Moscow said, though, do you think it's because he's been worked out a little bit, and it's you know second season syndrome, and uh, you know defenders in this league have, have seen what he's, what his game's about, and
1: sort of figured him out a little bit. Possibly a little bit, I suppose, but maybe I, I don't know. He's he's a fairly basic sort of hard working striker. I don't suppose League One defenders there's anything too complicated to work out. It's not like he's uh, he's got surprising pace or anything. I don't think. Maybe the surprise he was
2: Argentinian and long-haired, and actually worked quite hard. Well, the nice things about him last season was um, every goal he did score did seem to be quite a pleasant surprise, even to us who'd never heard of him. Um, when he started on that, it was all um, it just kept like bonus after bonus, and you were waiting for him to become rubbish, and he never did. So maybe this season it's just a natural dip, momentum stops. Whilst we're on strikers as well uh, David
3: Sommer Who's uh, out on loan at Lincoln See his goal I uh, feel like it's a very good finish mm-hmm. So a prospect maybe Of things to come uh, When one of our other strikers Inevitably goes off the
1: boil Or leaves us On a Bosman When we sell Beckford and Becky Over summer, And then the, uh, <laughs> It's Sommer and Grella next year <laughs> keep
2: yeah, I keep hearing about David Sommer with some of the more hysterical sort of responses to the the bad form where there's people keep coming up with So I've got the solution. So what Grayson needs to do is he needs to drop Beckford, play David Sommer in the hole, Gorilla and Becchio up front, A. D. White on the left wing, Andy Hughes needs to go in midfield, Casper right wing, and then it's gonna be absolutely fine. It's a wonder that Grayson hasn't done it already, and then David Sommer ends up going on loan to Lincoln, which I think maybe suggests he isn't gonna be the answer to promotion this year.
3: And another striker that's uh, been very much on our radar for the last couple of weeks uh, uh, Little Dickoff
4: um, Wouldn't he sneak under the radar?
3: He would probably <laughs> actually, yeah, he's quite a low level
2: object isn't he He's transferred from a ship to a submarine <laughs>
3: If you were listening to, uh, to last week's, last fortnight's pod that would uh, that would possibly make sense <laughs> to you
2: Maybe <laughs>
3: When you disappeared on a flight of fancy about uh, Dickoff being a sailor uh, when, when he went over to Toronto Anyway we won't dwell on that Yeah, when I I saw the YEP headline Dick off deal on cards I was kind of hoping he'd decided to get a job in a casino but uh, no, puns aside it it looks like he's going to be uh, signed he's been cleared by FIFA hasn't he for a a third club this season and it looks like it's going to be us and I've got to admit I've kind of softened to the idea a little bit now and I think he might be alright Is that how bad we've been the last couple of weeks? You've you've decided he might be the answer? As we discussed last time out though I think it's the fact that he's a little arse but if he's your little arse you can kind of tolerate him can't mm. you and, and and if he's annoying other people and not you then so be it Ali Bowyer as we like to think back you know.
2: I've warmed to the idea as well because my um, my own crazy tactical thought at half time against Oldham was why don't we well, move Kisnoble into midfield and at least then somebody's further up the pitch trying to win the ball and we've had I think a few of our players we're quite a young team with House and, and Kilkenny and Johnson and Snodgrass they're all like 21, 22, 23 and they have a tendency, not Snodgrass, but the rest of them have a tendency to sort of disappear during games. And so when Jermaine Beckford's your big player um, who definitely has a tendency to disappear, you always know Paul Dickov's on the pitch because you're always going, what's that bloody wanker doing? Um, and you can't miss him and he won't... I mean, I wonder if the Huddersfield game, when we were trying to um, hold on to it for the last 15 minutes, bring Dickov on just scampering around um, showing, the, the, uh, showing the terriers what being a footballing terrier is really all about <laughs> but I think he could bring that to us um, and be quite useful I don't think we should expect him to score a single goal and I don't think we should expect him to score a single match and I don't think we should expect him to stay beyond the end of May um, but we should at least expect him to, to come on as a sub in a few difficult games and get a tackle in
3: you see at this point I could have made a joke about him pushing for a World Cup place But of course he's, he's Scottish not English uh,
4: I know it's also the clubs club selling um, gnomes in the club shop <laughs> Maybe this deal has been on the cards for a while <laughs> Doesn't miss a trick that, uh, that might be the brand new
3: commercial director who's been appointed uh, from Portsmouth Which we will come on to in the next section But uh, Sure yeah. to be a triumph if they
1: come from Portsmouth
3: <laughs> <laughs> Fills you with confidence doesn't it um, I'm, I'm sure we won't want to write him off before we find out well how good slash bad he is um, Right then, uh, elsewhere in this fortnight, something we picked up on the uh, the previous pod two weeks ago was Clark Kyle was Clark Carlisle's impending appearance on uh, on Numbers and Words show uh, countdown on Channel Four, and he won his first show, didn't he? I'd, I've got to confess to not having much interest in this, but I've got a job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't watch it. I'm neither a student nor a pensioner, so. Uh, uh, I didn't really follow it But um, yeah he won It was nice to see him win And he, he managed to get himself A seven letter word Didn't he, he did, uh, It's good to see
1: It's not affected his form <laughs> Yeah
2: <laughs> Wow That's the punchline For his whole um, Countdown appearance Is to oh, then go To play for Burnley On Saturday And be so dreadful That Alan Hansen Criticised him on Match of the day For uh, for being on countdown I think it's like Players play. he, he doesn't need to be Thinking about a, a game show At this time of the season And it was a real Dressing down Which um, he deserved, frankly, because he was uh, he was hilarious.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that's conveniently ignoring the fact that they probably recorded it six weeks ago. Much of the day, no, it's that taste <laughs> games. <laughs> they, they couldn't <laughs> do that. Any other than talking points we have picked up on from the last fortnight? Like, quite a few uh, interesting moments from the Oldham game. Jason Price. Yeah, he he took a bit of a
4: pace. He's not very really? well. Uh, uh, not very good. <laughs> Should we do it again. No. <laughs> <laughs> if you've not heard he's not very well <laughs> probably should <laughs> mention it
3: and what I loved is how close we were sailing to the wind with that because you just knew that mm. you know he was so close to
2: scoring when he started bundling the ball around in the six yard box and he I, don't, I think he would have been unstoppable if he scored he probably would have gone on longer than his moaning about the handball that started it all but
3: I was just going to say for anybody who's uh, listening that's not aware of what happened obviously anybody
2: who's not been at Elm Road a chant went up Jason Price is fucking shit um, and it was you know it wasn't unprovoked he had spent five minutes moaning about being given handball when he um, handballed it, um, and he just went on and on and on. And it was because uh, it was our end; everybody was um, very aware of it. And uh, and and then, um, obviously, this won't work very well in an audio format. But he made that funny little gesture to the cop, where he made a sort of a, a diamond across his chest, and he kept doing that. And everyone was just like, I don't know if it was a gang sign or something, but he's doing it to a lot of fifty-year-old blokes. It was do dumped mean out to us, so they uh settled for just singing Sean Gregan Wants to Eat Your Hair <laughs> instead, which was uh,
1: as well as everything else, <laughs> yeah. Special mention
2: for Gregan, you wanted to mention something, didn't you, Michael?
1: Yeah, it was there was not, nothing uh, nothing very complicated about it, really. Just the size of his arse has probably doubled since we sold him when it was already massive. So... I,
3: put, I put in my match report that um, he's clearly
1: another year older and another waist size bigger, <laughs> yeah. He's a big boy, he's, he's probably challenging the I was going to say the late Tony Eboa but that makes it sound like he's died <laughs> but he, <laughs> the last we saw of Tony Eboa for uh, the Redibi testimonial is kind of on a par with that really no? I
3: mean Thomas Brawling has, has uh, grown exponentially since he's left us if, if, if the latest photos or anything to, to go by but Gregan He's a big unit, and uh, I, I made the remark to the fellow that I was sitting next to that, uh, just in a moment of passing, that you imagine it was like Jurassic Park, you know, when they've got the uh, the water on the dashboard, and you see the boom, boom, and the water starts to judder. That's what I had visions of Griegan thumping down the wing. Uh, getting ready
2: to poleax one of our wingers Finally, Ken Bates is sending the bill for the um, structural analysis of the West End following the game to Oldham he's not happy and special mention I think for Chris
3: Taylor as well Who, as a winger we mentioned him in transfer passings didn't we earlier on uh, this year in the pod that uh, Chris Taylor often been rumoured to, to be a target of ours uh, and he played in the Oldham match and he wasn't the only one that was doing it, but he was diving around and spoiling and niggling and whinging. And it's like the Leeds
1: United of the 70s, wasn't it? <laughs> Olden did a lot of that, actually, which is not really what you'd associate with, kind of a, a northern, bleak <laughs> sort of team. is a, a bit of play-acting and time-wasting things, but they were it the, the entire game.
2: But mildly thought with uh, Chris Taylor, as soon as he, there was one particularly ridiculous dive, and I was my I would bloody don't sign you. And, um, which it's maybe, I'm sure he doesn't give a toss because it's been probably three seasons in a row that it's been Chris Taylor, £500,000 from Oldham to Leeds United. Not happened. It's definitely not going to happen now because I will personally see to it that it doesn't come.
3: So all in all, a relatively quiet fortnight, I would say, for uh, for Leeds United. I guess it's always going to be with the, with the transfer window now closed and, and the highlight being Paul Dickoff. Uh, so we'll keep that section brief. I think we've got plenty to talk about in part three, which will be along in a moment after I tell you this, that you can get in touch with us about anything you would like us to raise on the pod, podcast at the squareball.net And stay right there, part three, right around this corner. <laughs> And here we are then, part three of the Squareball podcast, our feature section. Welcome back to you. Uh, Thank you for sticking around. And the feature this time out, where else could we turn really but uh, football's financial crisis. Uh, Portsmouth very much in the news recently. Um, Our little slant on this is a little campaign we started in this month's uh, Squareball magazine called Visit Beeston. Does somebody want to explain what this is?
2: and shoots and realize that if you put a poster of uh, some really attractive either pop stars or footballers in the middle of middle of your magazine your sales will go through the roof and uh, that's pretty much what we did with this issue with the square ball, put a poster in it, sales go through the roof, until people get home and realise it's Ken Bates and Sean Harvey. And I'm delighted to say that, actually joining us for this section of the podcast, now that, that has been so
3: beautifully explained, uh, on the line, Wayne Gamble then, who's the designer, better known as Crumpley, on the square ball uh, of the Visit Beeston poster. Do you want to tell us a little bit? First of all, welcome along, actually.
0: Oh, thank you very much. The nice
3: to be nice here. Nice to have you. Uh, tell us a little bit about the poster, then.
0: Well, it's um, it's not the latest in a long line of uh, well, fairly long I know of of a few posters that um, that I've done, and it's probably the, the the most light-hearted one yet, and and by some distance the most successful. One. <laughs> I think people got a bit a bit sort of tired of, of the usual sort of angle on, on dates and, and people being, you know, quite. Um, Patriotic towards him, so I you know, decided to poke a bit of fun at him, and it seems to be uh, seems to be working.
3: Well, that's what I like about it because he is a very easy target. His base, isn't he? You can you can rail against him and, and, and not really get anywhere at times. But I, what I like about the visit, beast and poster, is that um, you can take it in any way you want, can't you? It's, it can either be a little bit of light-hearted fun, or you could see something political underneath it, or.
0: Yeah, it's true. I mean it's fairly it's a very simple idea, really. It's, it's you know, it doesn't take a great deal of um you know, a great deal of time to to, to understand what points have been made and uh and yeah, it just seemed like the perfect way of getting what well, seems to be a a, a, a growing um, opinion that the the feeling that people have got about this development across.
3: So just to explain it then to, to listeners who are not at all aware of what we're talking about, it's a it's a centre spread uh, of the the magazine in in colour, and it's based on like sort of the '50s America uh, sort of visit tourist destination kind of idea, isn't it? And it's all around the fact that uh, Ken Bates seems to want to uh, build this hotel development uh, on the side of Ellen Road.
0: It is, and and, and the look of it's got nothing to do with the fact that a friend of mine bought me a a book about Las Vegas posters about two days before I decided to do this. So I have no idea where that idea came from.
3: And we'll tie... Um, Sorry, I was going to say, we'll tie it into the the whole idea of... uh of the football financial crisis because no strangers to insolvency ourselves, obviously, with our our, our fabled £110 million debt uh, racked up under Ridsdale and co. Um, And and Ken Bates has stated that this development, whilst it is in bricks and mortar and not Seth Johnson... um, is likely to cost in the region of eighty or ninety million pounds, and that and that's not a debt that we want to see ourselves uh, uh, sort of shouldered with again, is it?
0: Not really. Not when there's not been a great deal of evidence in the way of, of precisely how this development will, will benefit the club. Um, I think mean, there's been a lot of talk, mainly from Bates himself uh, via his, his, his usual channels, um, of, of just how, how how this will work, and it appears to be the case that he since he believes it worked at Chelsea so well, and a few of the people don't really agree with him on that one, that it's, it's bound to work really well at Leeds as well, so it's worth another go.
2: It's not wrong that you can put a hotel in the in the middle of nowhere and probably make some money out of it, especially if he's going to do conference facilities next to it, and his, his, his idea there may be sound. It's that part of it where he just flippantly says oh I'm just going to borrow the money I'm just going to borrow £90 million and build a hotel and as a business plan it fills me with fear and dread and loathing um, we we went through all the, the trouble of being £110 million in debt and one of Ken Bates's big um, claims to fame um, in order to curry favour with Leeds fans is that he's cleared the debt and he's running the club at a profit so what's his next move going to be I'll borrow £90 quid and build a hotel doesn't seem to make a lot of sense
4: on the back of the fact that he couldn't find 6 million pound for uh, Thorpe parch.
2: It's a good point. Did
3: you read the interview with um, Mourinho that was in the press this last week and it was something about uh, he stated that before Abramovich came along the training ground at Chelsea was was a bit tin pot and they were you know they were hanging clothes on nails and stuff like that. Do we do we take that as a suggestion that Ken Bates isn't that bothered about training facilities because they
1: don't make money? He's shown, with a lot of things, he's not really interested in the football aspects of it in general. He doesn't want to invest money in players or in the training ground. He just, he's more happy to invest money in, like people say, Billy's bar costs a million pounds, which, as nice as it is, and it, I'm sure it does make money, it'll take a, quite a number of years to actually repay that debt. And, um, you know, in the meantime, we've, we've been relegated again. Is, is that entirely fair, though, because he backed Blackwell with, with money? He did a little bit, but then we went into administration, which suggests it wasn't maybe our money. <laughs> but, the, yeah, but the football
2: debt still had to be paid So whichever way you dress it up He still had to pay the money for the players Well he's, hasn't he maintained that distance anyway That it's not his money He's just a front man um, And I think his entire attitude towards Leeds United as a football club Can be summed up in what um, Wayne put across the bottom of the poster that it's, a, um, it's anything but a football club 340 days of the year that's his attitude it's a it's, i can't remember the exact quote that it was a it was in the evening standard wasn't it he said uh, a football club is the way i see it a football
3: club is a property business
2: that doesn't trade 340 days a year i think the way i see it is a football club is a football club not interested in the other 340 days a year but can you fault him for trying to to maximize revenue streams i mean well where's the revenue going whose revenue is it we we got 6 million pounds for Delft. That was a maximising um, of our football revenue uh, stream, and it hasn't materialised anywhere else at the club. It's just, if he's just, he can make all the revenue he wants from Leeds United, but I'd like to see it kept in Leeds United to benefit the club in some way, especially mm. if the club is going to be the collateral for £90 million worth of debt.
4: And I can barely afford to go for twenty plus days a year, let alone three
0: hundred and sixty-five. <laughs> it's sure. I mean, it'd be much more easier to take Bates' statement on the three hundred and forty days seriously if he could demonstrate that he could make the other twenty-five days really pay for him. And he's not really done that. I mean, you've only got to look at our attendances and you know, and the, and the, the ticketing strategy that, that's that's uh, you know in place at the club right now to think, oh, is, is, it, is that is it really working? It's working for someone, I think, but. I'm, I'm not so
3: sure about it but hasn't Ken Bates always been about maximising revenue on perhaps lower attendances you know and then the theory being that when demand increases as it did at Chelsea that if you're charging 40 quid a seat then you you know your overall revenue is much higher it's not there don't seem to be many incentives for uh, the casual Leeds fan of which we've got many many thousands though do they?
0: No, that's true as well, and I think the, the, the key thing at Chelsea too is, is, is the, the, the development. So, hems the football club in um, at, at Stamford Bridge that, that the ground is unable to be um, expanded, uh, so Chelsea can fit in the kind of tendencies that that their rivals are getting. And you know, it's it's no real surprise that that Stamford Bridge hasn't been considered for the England World Cup bridge, Um despite having you know probably fabulous beef Wellington available there. <laughs>
2: I think the ticket pricing as well puts off the uh, casual fan won't go, but it's off putting to a diehard fan who's paying 27 quid to see Oldham Athletic play um, and has absolutely no confidence in in where that money's going. It's not like you can draw a line between I'm paying this at the ticket office and it is being spent here at the football club. You are paying this at the ticket office. Ken Bates is talking a lot about maximising revenue and then it stops.
1: True. People want to see money that they put into the club being spent on the club and, and by the club to anyone who's a fan. The club is players, coaching staff. It's nothing to do with things that are stuck onto the ground that we have no, no interest in staying in. Do you know, where where I live near, we don't want to stay in a hotel in Leeds. And if we did, it certainly wouldn't be a hotel in beast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which I guess was the
3: underlying point of the post, wasn't it? Exactly. In
1: it's no not. A, it's not Chelsea. It's not an area people might want to stay in, regardless of who they support. It's you know, it's one of the crap a bit of leads. Let's be honest. It's um, not not exactly overflowing with tourist attractions.
3: Well, saying if you want to get hold of uh, the Visit Beeston poster, have a look on thebeatengeneration.co.uk, which is is your website, isn't it, Wayne?
0: That's right. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's all sorts of things to to download from there. There'll be um, sort of you know, uh a sticker sheet on there and some avatars and, and a lot of desktop wallpapers and things like that right now. But that would be the uh, you know the first of, uh, of many, hopefully.
3: Good, good, um, and some news that I think, Moscow, you want to share with us about. Uh, obviously, everybody these days uses Wikipedia as uh,
2: as the font of all knowledge. So tell me something. Uh, what it was that you discovered in there? With um, the impending signing of Paul Dickov, I was looking on Wikipedia um, about information on dwarves, and I turned to the Leeds United pages, and there is now a Leeds United page that is um, just called. Doing a leads, somebody has gone to the trouble of um, compiling all the mentions in the media and newspapers of when the phrase. Doing a Leeds is used. I can't remember how it starts, but it is pretty much doing a Leeds. It's a popular media catchphrase it used to refer to uh, um, clubs that have uh, fallen on financial hard times. It's illustrated by um, a graph of our um, league table position from 1919 uh, to the present day, when obviously there's a, a quite a, a harsh ski slope <laughs> downwards. And this was um, followed up by um, somebody. Had, uh, uploaded a clip from Sky Sports about the Portsmouth administration to YouTube and the way YouTube takes the central frame from whatever the video is and uses that as the uh, thumbnail. The headline says Portsmouth in uh, financial turmoil and then the illustration is um, a shot of the East Stand with the Leeds United badge on it. <laughs> and so it, it's our synonymism with financial distress in football irks me no end. Well,
3: obviously, we, we can't go any further without mentioning Portsmouth and what's happened to them because they are clearly doing a Leeds. Uh, I'm, I'm actually quite proud that we're forerunners in something for once, you know, we're, we're leading the way. Um, Portsmouth doing a Leeds, their debt's estimated somewhere in the region, maybe 70, 80 million quid. Uh, the crucial difference perhaps being that they don't have the fan base or the stadium to accommodate getting out of it do they really and, and their turnover is what they're, they're spending 90% of their turnover on wages which is I think we got up to that didn't we but um they're in for a long dark struggle I think
1: and also, when we were doing that, when we were in the Premiership, racking up our really big debts, the taxman wasn't getting quite as pissed off as he is now with football clubs doing it. Because he's challenging Portsmouth going into administration now. Like they want the money out of it, much as they did with us the second time round, I guess.
3: Yeah, this is hot off the presses, isn't it? Uh, as we're recording this on on Monday night, we found out that um, HMRC are challenging um, Portsmouth voluntary administration in the court, aren't they? So by the time this uh, this is out, we
2: might know a little bit more about that. I'm almost tempted to be. be jealous of Portsmouth's um, demise because depending on how it shakes out, if they get so much worse than we got, there is then a chance that they are going to end up as the country's biggest supporters run club. It feels like there there is a, a chance it's going to go that way and the one fear I have about Leeds United heading back towards the Premier League is ending up in this world of John Terry and Wayne Bridge taking home £200,000 between them on a weekend when they they won't shake hands um, over tabloid nonsense. And meanwhile, another football club that doesn't have the resources is going out of business. And I don't particularly want to have anything to do with it. It was bad enough when Leeds United were up there and, and we had our own um, high-profile troubles. I'm content promotion this year sit in the championship for three seasons while every Premier League team goes bust <laughs> and then let it rebuild itself and then and then sneak back in um on a more even footing. It's a, it's sort of an Armageddon scenario, but fingers crossed eh. <laughs> we're getting into this era where clubs like um AFC Wimbledon, um who were told that um the MK Don's franchise um, was a reasonable thing to happen because no club was ever going to work their way up through the pyramid again. AFC Wimbledon went to the bottom rung, started a club and are working their way up through the pyramid and it's getting interesting to see how far they and uh, the red version are going to go and whether that's going to become a, a viable um, model. But I'm jealous of that in a way. I'm jealous of the German situation where it's um, 50, 51% mm. of all the uh, shares in the club have to be owned by the fans, and that's a rule of the league. It is, but there's not an argument counter to that, and I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm
3: propagandising for for the Premier League, but that's why they've been held back and not made the progress they might
2: want to on the European stage. But, but pro, Well, it depends on how you define progress. They may not be the most successful team in Europe, but it's eight quid to see a game in Dortmund and it's more than that to go and see Halifax town which I'd rather watch an unsuccessful side in Germany for 10 quid a week than an unsuccessful side in England for 30 quid a week which is what I'm doing at the moment.
1: (laughs) It's true German prices are very cheap and there's terracing over there that you can have a beer in the stadium if that's the way it's that we have to go to be bad in Europe, I'd get us out of Europe now. I don't even care. <laughs> if, if I could go to Ellen Road and pay a tenner and just stand up and not be bothered by stewards for standing up, have a nice drink there, that'd be absolutely fine by me. I'd uh, I'd give up European football forever for that. And they don't get anywhere near the TV money that we get over here.
3: That's it, it's all driven it's, by Sky, isn't it? It
4: just gets pissed away in players' wages.
3: Well, I was just sort of come on to this, that the UEFA stats that were revealed this week, uh, UEFA said that 56%, was it 56% of the whole European football debt is in England that's like obviously so that's more than anyone else put together and yet there's more money in England and yet
2: more of it's been pissed up the wall This this is the annoying thing with Ken Bates's, um argument about maximising revenue, there is not a football league in the world that has maximised its revenue more than the English football leagues have and I haven't seen that reflected in me paying less to get into a ground. If Leeds United had um, a four-star hotel on the side of the stadium that was doing roaring trade every night of the week, you couldn't get a room in there because it's booked six months in advance, I would want that to then be reflected in ticket prices being lowered. But it won't be because the ticket prices will go up even more because it's not about maximising revenue to balance out the cost of running a football club. It's maximising revenue to maximise revenue because there is revenue there and revenue must be maximised.
1: So Silvio Berlusconi once said a thing back in the early 90s about um, how he thought a European Super League would come about and they'd eventually end up letting people into the stadiums for free because all the money had come from TV what actually has happened is the complete opposite of that, is that the hype from the TV enables them to think, oh we used to be charging five people to get in, now we can charge 50 quid for people to get in and like it is, it's just about maximising revenue there's no, there's never a point where they think oh we've got this money, we could actually use that to give something back uh, it's just constant, a constant milking of... Uh, of every every revenue source available.
3: So I mean we've we've gone down an awfully serious path in this particular segment <laughs> probably for the first time since we started doing the podcast. Um but um on a slightly lighter note then do do we take any sort of pleasure in watching some of this unfold and not actually being part of it for once because we've obviously suffered and we we we've taken our, our punishment. Yeah. And now you know like for example where else to turn Cardiff. I mean wouldn't we just well, enjoy seeing that
2: that's personal. That's yeah, that's very, very personal. But um, they've not
4: borrowed any money.
2: Yeah, uh, well, I actually add uh, that the research into, that, that. into this that I did, yeah, the, the quote
3: that Peter Ridsdale, if, if you're listening and you're not you're not sure what this is about, Ridsdale <laughs> was quoted as saying they'd not borrowed any money, no, that they, they didn't have an overdraft, that was it, That's, wasn't it? Uh, I but
2: think it, I think it was that there aren't any loans. Yeah. He said he hasn't taken out any loans. From the bank. Um, yes, he's taken out no loans from the bank. However, he's taken loans from several offshore investment companies. He's mortgaged everything. Including uh, the scoreboard. Including the scoreboard. <laughs> but he. Hasn't taken out any loans And uh, pff, I, I can't even formulate Thoughts about Peter Ridsdale anymore you, I almost The charitable side of me feels like just going down there And pulling him out of it and just saying just don't do this <laughs> You know you know What happened last time um, But then um, the other part of me Says uh, ah, it's Cardiff Go on, ah, <laughs> sod it <laughs> Carry on good job
1: Cardiff's a good example though of it, what we were saying about fans want to see money Reinvested and Cardiff got I'll be careful how I phrase this exactly, but because I'm sure it was all covered in small print. But they got money off the fans under false pretences of saying if we get money in from ticket sales, we'll reinvest it in players. And then they went, "Oh no, we'll pay a tax bill with it." Sorry yeah. about that. And it was, it was a
3: bare-faced lie. Yeah, it's it symptomatic like- of, of
1: how of how clubs run really and how they treat the fans. They just like it's a bit like with the membership schemes and things you see at Leeds. It's like the clubs have come to almost feel like they're obliged to get money off people, and it, you almost feel like you're almost doing the club a disservice not buying a burger and a programme every time you go to the ground. It's become that, that much of a, a consumerist thing to do. It's like, well, you've got to pump as much of your money as possible into a club. It is and one thing, not what
3: it's about. It is one thing that Ken Bates has sort of uh, manoeuvred towards as well, isn't it? Uh, about, you know, sort of, we need your support, we need you to be funding this. You know, in, in his programme,
2: he's kind of hinted towards this. The confusing thing with Ken Bates is he's right about the club being... Um, run at a profit he's right about cutting running costs he's right about fans um, paying for the club through their financial and vocal support and then he wants to take out a £90 million loan to bang a hotel on the side of it and it's just it doesn't compute which I guess leads us
3: all very nicely back into, into Visit Beast and, and, uh, and, and the fact that we would uh,
2: we'd like to see the team do well wouldn't we What's next for visit beast and have you done them postcards yet?
0: Um yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. i sent them through early on. Yeah, you, you've, you've probably not picked up your emails, but yeah, We
2: need. it We've got to design... Um, it's pens next. Have you designed the pens?
0: A pen? <laughs> yeah. That's a good idea. I'll well, we'll do some pens. OK. I no. think T-shirts were T-shirt. um, a must, man. That's definitely something given.
2: we should do. Absolutely, yeah. We covered the T-shirts. Are the key rings done? <laughs> <laughs>
0: not yet. Just
1: to combat the rampant commercialism in football, we're uh,
2: <laughs> producing a full range of merchandise for for this. It's um, it, it's not going to be flippant stuff, it's all going to be useful. Have you designed the thongs yet? (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll,
3: we'll get those t-shirts out there and we'll see how it goes, eh? Yeah. So yeah. Look out for, uh, for for the visit Beast and T-shirts at, uh, at a website near you. Probably the Squareball.net. I would hope.
4: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Of course.
3: And the other But one. God
4: forbid we should horror ourselves like Kim Bates and shove <laughs> <be> anything <laughs> into the magazine.
3: Let's be massively hypocritical and and end it there. Right. Uh, and thanks to you, Wayne, and everybody should look out for uk. Absolutely. Yes. For uh, you know
0: a bit more of this.
3: Pleasure to have you along.
0: Yeah. Pleasure to be here. Um, Am I your first telephone guest?
3: I think so.
0: Possibly, yes, possibly the
3: last no thanks for that right well, well we'll wrap section three up there and we'll plough on headlong into section four in just a sec that brief musical interlude signals the start of part four final part of the square ball podcast Uh, and after that serious chatter in the previous part we've all had a bit of a lie down and a cup of tea and we're all back now with our usual silly selves i would say Uh, next podcast is due out tuesday the 16th of march look out for that Uh, from all the usual places. Games coming up before the next podcast. Uh, We've got Leeds against Brentford on Saturday, followed by Tranmere Leeds on Tuesday, followed by a big one, I would say, Southampton away. Uh, Gentlemen, what are we looking forward to in this next fortnight, then? Some more crushing disappointment. (laughs) (laughs) We'll
2: probably go out of business before the next one.
1: (laughs) I don't know, Brentford, the team much like Wickham <laughs> much <laughs> like Brighton much like Warsaw that we should really be beating at home um, you can't possibly not say that because um, just look at the league table but look forward we have to 90 struggled.
2: minutes of tension anger frustration yeah, indeed
1: and some tears um, played them down there I went down to it they were alright it was a fairly dour game really on a bad pitch um, I would hope please please let us win <laughs> I <have> nothing <laughs> else to say I just don't want to have to go home feeling like I did after Walsall it, it's a should
3: win isn't it and if we don't then you know if we get, if we keep doing this what we, we're doing against the likes of Walsall we don't deserve to go up do we no, you no. Know, we, we. I don't want to start beating ourselves down here but should win hopefully will win um Probably won't win It's <laughs> the way it feels yeah. Yeah, The Leeds United factor So that's that one Tricky one Rearranged game against Tranmere. Um, but again If we want to be serious About getting promoted we got to do it
2: I can't help Looking at them And just wishing They still John Barnes In charge Because it was so, f- so much fun For everybody watching That was, my, that was watching. my initial thought as well um, And if he was still there Easy three points Another, another easy win um, As it is we've got to go there and, and win and uh,
1: they've got the physio in charge for god's sake he wears shorts all the time <laughs> he's not I'm not even sure he's all there Are you? and he can't rap <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah we've got to bit tramway maybe um with Trezor Candol's return to fitness. Um he, he likes it against Tranmere and we'll have that finally that dream strike force of Candol and Dickov <laughs> that we have all been wishing for all season. Um we'll we'll come to pass and we'll we'll just destroy them with our uh, our ace sharpshooters up front.
4: <laughs> big Trez and little dicks.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Where yeah, we couldn't say that when Enoch was around. Um is there a I'm just going to throw this out there. I know this this isn't necessarily related, but are we missing Enoch Shawumny at all? On Is a the, personal uh, level,
1: <laughs> yes. Well, I, mean, I miss his smile. I miss <laughs> his kind eyes in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I miss the way touching my neck. <laughs> stop. Please stop there.
2: No, he, 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 he's... I, I, I'm scared. Uh, no, he's. I uh, don't know. Some of the games that we've had lately in the last quarter of now, we've had nobody really no he's really rubbish Moscow is rubbish yeah, forget rubbish. it I know it deep in my heart I'm just clutching at straws I just miss him so much
4: that's <laughs> 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 comedy on the pitch <laughs> it's just since despair
2: since he's he um, well since he left me for Michael <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> this,
2: never, this is
3: a road we really don't need to go down I know said know we should make this section more light-hearted after the last but
2: um, no, light-hearted and, you're and, worrying and me. heavy grind.
1: <laughs> <laughs> to get back to Tramway. um the game at Elm Road earlier in the season that I think it we it won it three 0 in the end, but it really that really could have been any score. It was probably the most one sided game of the season. Um, and they were so, so lucky to get away with, with a 3-0 defeat. The defence, they seem to have a theory that three of the defence will push up at any one stage, but one of them will always <laughs> always hang a good 15, 20 yards further back. In order to hold and give Yeah, and do it at the right time. <laughs> yeah, exactly, that's what he was looking to do, um, get into the line, because um, we were looking to hit them and hurt them <laughs> and, enough, def- enough. and defend and attack. <laughs> but, I mean, the only way to beat us really Stop. was to get around the back. <laughs>
2: A victory at Tranmere will just put our our whole world in motion. um, There's going to be a new order at Elland Road as we go into the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, it'll oh. be a blue Monday at work If we don't Ah, <laughs> oh, it's the wrong It's not a Tuesday Shit That doesn't work If only that had been a weekend game We should stop this now And move on to
3: the game afterwards Which is probably the big one The big massive test um, Or the one that seems obviously massive uh, The Southampton game Because they're in, in a rich uh, vein of form They keep buying loads of strikers Particularly ones we seem to be interested in
1: Yeah it's they, kind of like what How we'd be if we were willing to spend money I think <laughs> like, We were linked with Lambert And Barnard And Whitbread And all you know. these all these various players that we just wouldn't put any money out for. Good and we players. got little dicks
3: instead. Exactly, yeah. we did. Um, so, yeah, Southampton game, again, it's impossible to call, isn't it? Because it's, uh, if, for want of a better phrase, it's like the Clash of the Titans, isn't it, in this particular
1: division? At Ellen Road, they didn't actually look very good, um, despite... A lot of hypes about them Can I stop stop you Before
3: you go any further And make any sort of Bold predictions about We shouldn't be too worried
0: About
1: them (laughs) Well they will beat us This time
4: But (laughs) When they came to
0: Ellen Road When they came to Ellen Road
1: They they were shitting That game was won Unless they're going to Take the points off us (laughs) Which is possible Um, But yeah They didn't look Anything special At all that day Obviously they've signed A few players since but we should be a match for anyone in this league. We, there's no reason to be scared of them. It's not. We're not. You know, Portsmouth going to Chelsea or something. That's. Uh, it's not. Not out of the question that we can win there. As we said earlier, the only team we've got to be really scared of is ourselves, isn't it?
2: Exactly. <laughs> These are the games that look to me a bit more sensible in terms of a, a footballing contest because Southampton at home as a as a good team cannot just play to not lose. They can't play. The anti Leeds United, like so many teams have been adopting, and I think we do better against that. Well, either we do better against that, or we crash and burn completely, and we stay in this division forever. Um, But those are the games that I think we 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 should be able to play like Leeds United can play, because we should have the room.
4: And might we be better away? We've not got that pressure of the home games. Yeah, you think?
2: I agree. We haven't got seventeen thousand really tense, nervous overcharged um, We'll only have about 3,000 And they'll all be pissed so it'll, it shouldn't <laughs> be a problem Yeah.
4: Another thing on the Southampton game a pal of mine's got tickets down there in their end um, £28 for an adult and two kids because they're doing kids for a quid down there, against us, against us, bastards. And that's been—he bought those in January, beginning of January.
3: It's worth saying as well. They've only given us two thousand three hundred tickets, haven't they? For this, they've, they're,
1: they're, well, they don't have many left. they for giving <laughs> kids for a
4: quid, will they? I'm
1: not surprised. Graham Rixell have had a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> if we can pull that, he's convicted. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's fine. And it well, man. <laughs> Graeme, if you're listening, we don't mean that. Kids up to the age of... She was 15, fair enough. <laughs> I'll give him that.
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, a you th- him that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a strange one... Give him that. It's a strange one doing kids for a quid against Leeds when they could probably have sold it out many times over and, and they could have given us 4,000 tickets at 30 quid and we'd have sold them all, wouldn't we? Hmm.
2: I mean, you wonder if it's a football club with a heart... How dare they!
4: <laughs> a wealthy owner, apparently.
1: Mm. Yeah, they have this. Probably what we would like, actually, a club that spends money on players and giving fans good deals. <coughs> a wealthy. It'll owner. never work.
3: So the conclusion, do we think for for this particular fortnight is no conclusion. <laughs> yes. Yep. It's nice to see us sort of heading back on track, but again, everything going out in front of us now is going to be just as important as the last fortnight, isn't it? Agreed. We have we, hope We thought we were back on
1: track last time. After a, we should have won at Orient, so but we are three three games unbeaten now. And the problem is, I'm <laughs> the looking first of our unbeaten games. There was a draw against Brian at home, which is really pretty bad. But
3: they you? still count, don't they? You got to build on something. The point nearer promotion. Yeah, as, as Simon Grayson keeps saying.
2: The only, the only fear I'm having is I'm I'm looking at our notes for this. one. on the left-hand side. It has the first game after our last predictions, which was against a, a team that we we didn't need to fear um, at home. And then our our next game after this podcast is against a team that we don't need to fear at home.
1: I think the previous one as well. We had Wickham, who were a team we didn't need to fear. At home mm. And I don't think We've actually won Any of them After following these podcasts So The square ball curse Does continue So should we predict a, a, a heavy defeat yeah. To Brentford yeah. yeah I think we'll um, be um, terrible. Lucky to get out of that I'm Try am at Tranmere. Yeah. Try and maintain Goal difference yeah. That's all we need To be doing For the well, next two
2: games well, Are we mathematically safe I mean if we're not Mathematically safe Going into the Southampton game When we lose that um, Heavily That'd On the south coast yeah, yeah. yeah It's, it's going to be Trouble—we've got to start looking at the bottom of the table.
3: So, if we're not making any sort of formal predictions, we should probably leave it,
1: shouldn't we, and, and just stop talking. <clears throat> Let's just table. hope, rather yeah. than predict.
2: Yeah, yeah. It'll be the new uh, feature for the podcast, part four. Hope.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> if you'd like to hope along with us, can do podcast at the dot Drop us an email. We'd love to hear from you again, especially if you're uh, if you're abroad. Let us know uh, where you listen to the pod. Is it on a beach? On an iceberg? Um, and you can find us on Facebook and Twitter as well current edition of the magazine uh, is out right now it came out for the Brighton game and after barnstorming sales we've only got a few left so it's definitely going to sell out uh, for the next home game uh, against Brentford on Saturday so if you are still wanting a copy of the latest uh, Squareball magazine buy it online via squareball.net because they will all go Um, and just mentioning the squareball.net that's where you can get all the back issues and if you want to subscribe as well find the chat forum um, and the shop on there as well uh, squareball.net thank you to Radio Air once again for the studio use and sayonara to all you fellas in the studio as well Michael Normanson cheers Daniel Chapman au Design, and Paul O'Dowd see ya the next podcast uh, will be out in a fortnight 16th of the month and we will see you then.
2: to buy the squareball magazine get back issues and podcasts visit the squareball.net